of 1 Corinthians. And when you're going through a book of the Bible, you know, that some, some parts of it are easier to preach on than others, and, um, but it's truth. It's all truth, and, and uh, it's truth that's as relevant today as it always has been. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 7, some of these, uh, some of these chapters probably, if I was to think, okay, you know, I'm going I'm to preach on a passage, I have an opportunity to preach, uh, what passage I'm going to preach on. You know, some of these chapters I'd probably never get around to if it, if it was just that approach, right? But when you're going through the, the, uh, the, the chapters, it is interesting, all the topics that come up and, and all the things that, that uh, the Lord addresses and... Um, you know, he covers everything that we need, and, uh, and so it's the best way to go. So here in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it says, Now concerning the things, which, uh, things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have uh, her own husband. I get the feeling... As Paul addresses different issues in the church at Corinth, I get the feeling that they were they were in the midst of a society that's very similar to what America is like right now, um, saturated with immorality, <laughs> and so oftentimes, you know, God's word is always consistent, you know, level, straight, truth. Unchanging with the times, timeless. What happens many times is as culture kind of spirals and is on a downward trend of immorality, you know, evil men waxing worse and worse. There's, there's a relativity um, aspect that goes on with the church. And, uh, you know, God's word, consistent, society, Going downhill, the church kind of, you know, still on what they consider to be a, a play, you know, a step or two above, but they compromise more and more. But relatively speaking, they feel like they are adhering to morality compared to the world. Does that make sense? And that's the carnal approach. That's what was going on in Corinth. There was a lot of relativity going on there. Um, you know, they wanted to. Instead of saying, you know, we're going to be as close to God as possible and still be of this world, they were, sort of seemed to have the approach, we're going to be as close to this world as possible and still claim we're of God, right? And, uh, and so there was, there, was, there was immorality in the church. It was being tolerated. It was even being celebrated. Uh, we get the feeling that, that perhaps it was one of the more prominent members of the church, you know, that was in, living in outright Blatant sin, and uh, and they were still maybe 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 uh, nobody wanted to to maybe nobody wanted to to deal with it because maybe they were one of the biggest givers in the church, you know, maybe they had some of the most influence, and uh, I mean you know for the greater good of the uh, for the greater good of of the cause of the Lord, you know, I mean you want to keep uh, you want to keep the more influential people happy, right? I mean a little pragmatism there is probably the way to go. Under the headship of Jesus Christ, it's always going to be about truth. 
It's always going to be about his authority. It's his church. He's the one that died for it. He has no, you know, no one, not all of us combined. The whole, you know, all local churches combined throughout the state and the world. Put them all together and they, they, they still don't match the, 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 the vested interest that Jesus has in the church. And uh, he's the one that builds a church. And he has the methods for doing it. He has the way of going about it. He has the components for it. It's based upon his word, not man's rationale. And that's the whole thing that makes it about God. And, 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 and you know, Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, made a big point of addressing worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom in the earlier chapters of the book. And uh, so the same thing, you know, um, has to happen in every area in the church. And, and the things that, 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 are, that are scriptural need to be addressed in a very clear, concise manner. Let the Lord do the work through that. And a, a, a pure church that is unhindered by carnality and sin is going to be the effective church in comparison to what men think that it's all about numbers. Now look, it is about numbers in a certain way. Let's not make the, the excuse of, you know, that it's not about numbers at all, so, you know, we don't, we don't, uh, we're not really concerned if, if, if people are being reached for the Lord. Uh, we're not really concerned about, you know, uh, um, uh, Soul winning and, uh, and, and being, um, uh, being very uh, uh, purposeful to do that because we're just, you know, we're just great here with our, with our small little numbers that are, that are set apart for the Lord. There's, there's a balance in these things. But the point is that we never, we never sacrifice that which is right in God's eyes in order to some way think we're setting, the, you know, uh, uh, um, a bait to have more people come, but it's to the detriment of the church, it's to the weakening, it's to the weakening of the body of Christ. And Paul's very serious about, about dealing with this church here when it comes to, to carnality, uh, when it comes to really having, um, having problems in the area of sexual immorality. And... Uh, I believe that that's a problem in the church in America today, to a large degree. That's one of the problems, is that that isn't, it's not really dealt with. You know, it's not spoken of. Um, it's awkward, you know? And, and, and so we don't talk about real life topics who kind of skip over it or, um, you know, kind of ignore it or put a spin on it because we're in a society where it's so prevalent it's so prevalent that we, we feel like we're gonna, you know, we're gonna we're gonna ostracize half of the congregation if we if we really go hard on that. Paul made things very clear. He made things very clear. Why? Because he wanted what was best for, for, for the people that they were in the church. And uh, because he loved the Lord. And because he knew he, look, true unity can only be based upon truth. Sometimes we think, you know, hey, look, the less that we rock the boat, the more unified we're going to be. It's not the way it's going to work because all he's going to have is a larger mixture of carnality. And does carnality and the lack of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of, un of unity, ever bring true unity? 
No, it doesn't. It doesn't. The more we all get the mind of Christ on every issue, that's what's unifying. That's what makes the body function in cohesiveness uh, to, to His glory. Lord, just help us now as we look at the truth of Your Word. Lord, just open it up to us as only You can, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So it says, now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me. And it seems like, you know, that maybe they had submitted some questions. Uh, they had reached out to, to Paul on some issues. Giant, uh, some, some there that had an interest in hearing what, what he had to say as a leader and as an apostle. And he says, um, he says there, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Now, in the context here, and, and context is very important, it's talking, and look at the very next verse, nevertheless to avoid fornication. And so, in the whole context of the passage here, it's talking a lot about the relationship between a man and a woman on that level. All right? And so in the context, you have to be, going, be careful about going by the letter of things outside the context. Right? Um, In Argentina, it's a very European sort of setting. And a lot of Americans have, have, had, have had a problem there in the church because before you know it, and this is just the way they greet. There's nothing, there's nothing in their mind that's like weird or that they're trying to make an, a pass at anybody or anything like that. It's just the way they greet there. And so before you know it, you're faced with a situation where here is a lady in the church, very friendly. It's, it is the very definition, I guarantee you, in there, of a holy kiss. Okay? There's nothing there. There's no innuendos. There's no advances. There's nothing like that. But they'll come up and they'll put, in very European fashion, their, their cheek on one side and the cheek on the other and just kind of kiss the air. Now there is some contact that goes on with that. And so... The Christian man has to make, make a decision there. Am I going to take the stand of, you know, the Bible says, do not touch a woman. And if these women in this church think they're going to get by with that with me, they got another thought coming to me. Because the only person that does that with me is, as a married man, is my wife, my, my granny, and my great aunt. Okay, they're the only ones that would ever do that. All right. You can, take, you can take stands on the letter of things, but a lot of times that's a tough row to hoe. And it doesn't, and again, not trying to, to, to look for compromise, but that's not what it really, in the context, that's, that's, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the type of contact between a man and a woman that is designed to lead somewhere. Right? It's designed to lead somewhere. Like we tell young people, look, you don't want to go down that road. Okay, there's an attraction there. It's a normal thing. God put those attractions in you. And when you let the momentum of that start to get some traction within that attraction, <laughs> it's going to be really hard to go down that road and all of a sudden, you know, want to screech on the brakes. Okay? And so within, within that, so that, there, so that there not be a pathway to fornication, then it's good not to enter into that entrance at all, not to give place to that at all. 
right? And uh, uh, you know what the, what the Bible says, avoid the appearance of, of evil. That doesn't mean, and other principles in the Bible as well, but it doesn't mean don't ever appear to, to be doing evil. What it means is, like, if evil begins to present itself, you want to avoid that. You don't want to go down that road at all, right? And, uh, and so um, it, it's, it's great advice. It's great advice. Look, well, if I, if I have a, if I have a, 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 you know, if I'm not married yet, what's wrong, what's wrong with us um, holding hands? Well, I don't know. What's holding hands designed to do? Well, it feels really good. Okay, that's fine. And if all it is is holding hands and, and, and before the Lord, I mean, you know that there's no other thoughts that come in there. You're not thinking I'd like to, you know, go down. But it's rarely that way. And so what, what, the, what the Bible is trying to help people with, and the Bible is, is for us. It's God's word that is for us. What it's saying is, you know, if you're not, if you're not married, it's better to never enter into the sort of contact that tends to arouse things in a direction in which it's going to head towards, you know, getting into to situations that, you, that are going to be outright wrong before the Lord. And, uh, and so that's what it's saying there. And I used to take, I used to take a hardline approach on this. Um, once in a while, when I was a pastor, once in a while, you know, a woman who wasn't my wife, and, and uh, they just, they would come at me and they'd try to give me a hug, you know, and I'd be like, you know, I'd do every, everything except karate kick them, you know. Um, they didn't mean anything by it. There, there, there's, some, there's, some, there's some people now in our church that, they're huggers, you know. I'm not really a hugger. Um, they're not, they're not, they don't mean anything except just, it's a sister, right? And, uh, and so they give, give, give a little hug. It's okay. I'm not a hugger, but I can, I can you know, I can accept the blessing. And, and there's nothing meant there by me or by them, right? It's not, we're not entering into any sort of thing, okay? Now, if, if there's a discernment there, and the Bible talks about being discerning in this area, men and women, uh, Proverbs chapter 7 could be very helpful in these things. You know, the flirtatious advancements of a person. As a man, if I sense that someone is making a flirtation, a flirtatious advancement, then that's it. I, I you know, that they have... They have uh, cut off any chance of ever, you know, having a friendly hug with me. Okay? I'm going to do that to my wife, and I'm not going to entertain that. And you know, I mean, look, God, God has put his spirit within us. We know, we, we can sense before the Lord the difference, right, of a handshake, you know, uh, some, some sort of just, just a friendly gesture next to some flirtation or something that's headed in a, in a different direction. That's what it's talking about here. That's what it's talking about. And uh, it's good for a man uh, not to touch a woman in a way that is going to be designed to head, to defraud them, really. Now look, the Bible teaches that for a man, visual is very powerful. 
Jesus taught that. Visual is very powerful. Um, for a woman touches. For a woman touches. And, uh, and so that's just something to be, to be very careful about, to be very sensitive about, that we would never lead something in a direction that was going to defraud somebody before the Lord in that regard. And, uh, you know, sometimes, I mean, boyfriends and girlfriends say, oh, I just love her so much. Well, look, if you love her, then you want her to be pure before the Lord, right? So if you love her, why are you going to entertain patterns and directions that are going to lead to defrauding her before uh, she is your wife? And that, that uh, of course, leads, that, that, that leads into the rest of the passage here. And Paul talks about uh, um, other, expands on these truths. So let's keep going. It says, nevertheless, to avoid fornication. And we understand now what the term means. We've talked about that. Let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. And we know that within that context, within that, that wonderful design that God has in marriage, you know, these things are, are naturally made by God to be, to be wonderful, to be pure, to be undefiled within that relationship. And, uh, but even within that relationship, and this is going to get ahead of the, the, the thought a little bit, but just inserting it here, even within that relationship, it's a matter of truly loving that person. Never a matter of taking advantage of a person for just purely our own gratification. That's what happens in, in you know, relationships outside of ma marriage so many times, right? Is, is there's this big rhetorical commitment of, I love you. And what that person is really saying is, I just want personal gratification from you. And once that's obtained, there's really not as much of a conquest there anymore. Um, there's not as, and, the, and, the, and the commitment was never really there of true love, sacrificial love, tender love, giving love, protective love. And, and, and so I love you really meant nothing except I'm self-centered and I want something from you. By the way, that, that, that same heart and that same spirit can be in marriage sometimes. You know, just, just, just because now we're married doesn't mean that we get to be selfish and demanding and, and self-centered and, and ha have a lack of, of, of Christ-like love. Men are told, the, 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 the command, the most direct command and the most all-encompassing command that we have, in Christ, uh, from, uh, admonition that we have from, from, from the Word of God in relation to our wives is to love them as Christ loves the church. Now you think about that. There are huge implications there. I mean, just spend some time thinking about how Christ loves the church. That is a sacrificial, unselfish, serving Love. And so let's, uh, let's keep going. It says, nevertheless, then, let every, uh, um, uh, every man have his own wife. Let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto his wife due benevolence. That's kindness. That's affection. That's affection. And, uh, and likewise, also the wife unto the husband. And so just in the context of a, an affectionate relationship, a loving, affectionate relationship. There's, there's normal progressions to that within marriage. It's part of the affection. It's part of, it's part of the, uh, um, the closeness, the intimacy, we call it, of, of, of relationships. And that's a beautiful thing. And the husband is, you know, for as much as we want to avoid that outside of marriage, because there's no 
opportunity for true commitment there, lasting commitment before God and before others. But once that commitment is made and that oneness is, is, is entered into, then there, there's a depth of affection and there's a depth of, of intimacy uh, which God designed as appropriate, meaningful, and, uh, and even, in a sense, that is to be totally normal, and it would be strange if it wasn't there. Um, and so, you know, we need to be careful about giving the young, young people the idea that these things are, are, are dirty, right? Um, that certain terms are inherently dirty. No, sin is wrong, and sin is defiling, sin is destructive, and so we see when it is something is sin and when it isn't, and the devil wants to, he wants to, uh, um, he wants to counterfeit, and he wants to pervert, and he wants to destroy everything that God made good. So what we do with discernment by the Holy Spirit of God is we see, okay, when is something holy and when isn't it, and when isn't it holy? Because the unholy one is going to make propositions to us based upon um, his perverted presentation of what God made good. And sometimes, you know, young people aren't shepherded into the beauty of certain things because, and it's cliche, I know, but we're throwing out the baby with the bathwater, right? Um, and uh, and we're, not, we're not teaching them Look, these things, are, these things are made by God. It's a wonderful thing within the right context, in the right setting, at the right time. And, uh, and look, as parents, don't avoid those topics appropriately at, at the, you know, as you're led by the Lord at the right time, with the right, at the right age, and, and, um, and, 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 and let, let, your, you know, let your, your children learn from God's Word um, what, what He wants to tell them. And so it says that in verse 4, the wife hath no power of her own body but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath no power of his own body uh, but the wife. And, and so there's this talking about that oneness of relationship, you know, two have become one. And it's not, it's not referring at all to a domineering approach, to a demanding approach. Think again, how does Christ love the church? He woos the church. He, he lavishes his love upon the church. He gives himself for the church. You know, why, why do you want to serve God? Because uh, Jesus, because he's harsh and demanding and, and saying, this is what you need to give to me? No, that's not the way Jesus is with us at all. He presents the abundance of what he offers and his goodness. And, and uh, you come to the point where it's like, man, why would I not want to love Jesus? We love him because he first loved us. What is there not to love about him? Why would we not want to be surrendered to our wonderful Jesus, right? And so, you know, so many times, you know, verses are taken and they're used to like pummel people with. And, uh, you know, I mean, the Bible says, you're not your own anymore, you're mine. Does that sound like anything that God would promote? <laughs> I mean, just your sense of who God is and his heart and how he perceives relationships and the beauty of relationships. And, 
You know, I mean, there's no end to what people would justify and find creative ways to use the Bible in order to condone. I found that out over time. We need to be very careful about doing that, especially in these very crucial issues of life that Paul is addressing here. Verse number five, defraud. Don't hold back that which rightfully is due to another or in a sense even cheat them. Defraud ye not one another except it be with consent for a time. Sometimes this, this, uh, you know, the, the marriage relationship is weaponized. It's weaponized and, and, and sometimes in, in, in counseling, you know, this has come to bear. There's usually, there's usually two sides of it, uh, honestly. Um, sometimes the man is using the scriptures to, to be demanding and to be oppressive to his wife. Sometimes the wife is using her influence and power, if I could just put it that way, which is kind of an obvious thing to men, all right, um, to manipulate a man and, and to punish them, as it were. Now, look, I, I have found in counseling that a lot of times when a woman gets to that point, it's because they're so frustrated with the knucklehead that they're married to that they don't feel like they have, you know, other recourses. But it's not always that way. It's not always that way. Um, we've heard of, you know, the, 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 the wiles of a female. And, I mean, <laughs> the reason why you find that after, time, after a time, you know, that the sayings come about for, for a reason. Now, they, you know, they, they, you don't put them on all four legs, but um, as far as illustrations go, but they... There is such a thing as, as a woman understanding what their influence is in that regard and using it in the wrong way for, in a manipulative fashion. And so the Bible is saying, like, don't do that. Don't do that to one another. Don't let this, this meant to be beautiful within an affectionate relationship, don't let it become something ugly. <laughs> don't let it become something that's, that's used for, for, uh, for a schism in the relationship instead. And the only way that, that, that it should happen really it, you know, for, for extended periods of, of, of time is upon mutual agreement to say, you know, there's some issues here. We're going to decide together that we're going to refrain from this aspect. It's almost as a matter of fasting. That we're going to refrain from this normal activity within our marriage in order to, to really pray about some things, to focus on some, th- some things, um, to maybe be even more spiritually sharp um, for a time. By mutual agreement, we're deciding together that this is something they want to do. Well, what would that look like? Well, they'd probably pray more together. They'd probably talk more about what they're wanting to do for the Lord together. Um, they would probably be even more in tune to, to their loving relationship to one another apart from this one activity, Right? Um, if, it were, if it looked instead like they were just going their separate ways and saying, well, I'm doing this for God, that's, that's not what God does to a marriage. That's not what God does to a marriage. Defraud not one another, except with consent uh, for a time, that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer, and come together again. That Satan tempt you not uh, for your incontin- uh, incontinency. And, and so, <laughs> Paul's being really real here. He says, 
for whatever you decided, the longer this goes on, the more, the more opportunity there may be uh, for, for temptation there, right? Uh, look, the Bible never gives any excuse for sin and for giving in to temptation. Like, it doesn't say, all right, uh, you and your wife aren't getting along this way, so that's an excuse, you know, man, to go to a, uh, uh, what the Bible calls a harlot, or, or uh, to some other means of um, incontinency, right? Lack of self-control. Uh, because if that was true, what about the person, you know, that, that, uh, that isn't married, Right? I mean, they have to, it has, has, it has to be before the Lord. It has to be before the Lord. The Lord Jesus is more vivid to me. My relationship to me is more important than any other relationship, and that's why I'm going to do what's right. Right? But just being honest about it, Paul says especially, you know, once we enter into a marriage relationship, if that is, if there's absence going on there, then there can be a context for which, you know, there could be, heightened temptation, as it were. So he just says, gives a caution there. And this is real life stuff, you know, and it's in the Bible. <laughs> and, so, um, and, 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 and so he talks about that. Um, and he says, but I speak this uh, by permission and, and not by uh, a commandment. Uh, For I would that all men were even as myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, uh, one after this manner and another after that. And so now he's, kind of, he's going to enter into the whole aspect of, uh, of whether one should, should marry or not. We don't know for sure that Paul was never married. Uh, some people, as they study the aspects of you know, being a Pharisee and, 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 and even the high possibility that he was a member of the Sanhedrin, say that, that some believe that there's a strong possibility that Paul was married before. But we don't know that. All right? At this time, he wasn't. Okay? And so he's going he's gonna to talk here about that, look, God is going to have a will for your life, and that will is a gift. That will is what God has given you as a plan, as a gift, a good gift for your life, right? Um, and often when I, when, I, when I read this passage, I think of, uh, you know, the boys, one of their, one of their very close relatives, he's, uh, he's an uncle that's had a, a uh, a, a very godly influence in their life and uh, has had a big uh, impact on their life, has been, I don't know, he must be, what was he, maybe uh, 60s, high 60s or something now, Uncle Al? Well, he's never been married. And he's, he's, uh, what, he's older than I am, all right? And uh, he's at peace with that. He's never, he, now, there was times when he... he looked like he was going to get married. There was times when he was interested. But, you know, whatever it was that God had planned for him, he, he always seemed that he was good with it. And to this day, he's never been married. Never seems angry about that. Doesn't hold him back from serving the Lord. Doesn't hold him back from having a great attitude. He, and, and, and the guy travels, like, all over the place. Like, if he wants to come up and visit us the day after tomorrow, I'm not going to be home, but he, he, he would come up here. You know, he would just say, hey, uh, Mark or Tammy, I'm uh, heading up your way. You got a bed for me? Yeah, we, got a, we always got a bed for you, Al. Come on up, you know. He has like this, he's not tied down, okay? <laughs> and uh, he's used that to serve the Lord. He's gone all over the place, missions, trips, this ministry, that ministry, does this with the young people, does, you know, he just has the flexibility to be able to do that. 
I haven't had that sort of flexibility for 30 years, okay? Got to do the math there, because uh, how that played out in my life. But I've had it, but my marriage has been a gift for me in other ways, all right? I have eight boys now that praise the Lord are serving, are serving him. And, and, and so the gift to Alex has played out to God's glory, right? In ways that it didn't for me. But God's gift to me has been unique in a way that it hasn't been for Alex. Okay? So as you read through this passage, you know, Paul has his preferences as far as he's speaking out of his own experience. But his real conclusion is, whatever the gift is that God has given you, whatever God's will is for you, that's the very best right there. And, uh, and I don't know, people like to just love to isolate passages and build like this whole mountain of doctrine upon it. Instead of just going, okay, the context, what's this train of thought here? How does this compare, you know, Scripture to Scripture? He that finds a wife finds a good thing. Right, married guys? Oh, man. <laughs> Some of you guys are in trouble. Right, guys? Find a wife is a good thing, right? All right, all right. Give you a second chance there, and some of you stepped up. That's good. Um, and uh, it says, uh, so he speaks a little further about this. He said, uh, For I would that all men were even as myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner, another after that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and, and widows, it's good for them, if they abide even as I do. Look, you're going to have probably some unique opportunities if you just stay single. Okay? Um, and then he says, but if they cannot contain, let them marry. Oh, yes, again, he's pretty blunt here. But he says, for it is better to marry than to burn. Now, this is another one of those passages, you know, just I've heard. <laughs> it's like the guy, you know, that he has, he has no means of providing for the girl. You know, he's like super immature. He hasn't held down a job more than a week at a time. Well, man, you know, he goes up to the, to the, to the girl's father and he's like, I need to marry your daughter right now because the Bible says it's better to marry than to burn. And that's some, that's some clear doctrine right there. All right, buddy. Grow up a little bit so you don't approach me in that immature way. Okay. Go get a job, all right? Um, follow God and get some self-control in that area. Then we'll come back and talk again, maybe. <laughs> what this is talking about here is, look, if someone is, okay, the gift from God, right? They're, they're, they're in God's will. They're in God's will. They're serving the Lord. As they're serving the Lord, there's someone else is going, you know, they, they, uh, someone else is going the same direction. They're attracted to them. They, they, they both want the Lord's will. There's a, an attraction there, and uh, that, seems, that seems to grow. There's godliness, and there's nothing biblically hindering them from getting married, right? Sometimes shorter courtships in that sort of a context are better than long ones. That's really what it's saying. Does that make sense? It does. Doesn't that sound, you know, that it'd be from the Holy Spirit? When you look at it here in context, more than, than the guy just coming and use this as, as, as the tool to try to get in the door, you know? Well, I can't, I can't control myself when I'm around your daughter, so I want to marry her. Well, that's, 
That's a real good sales pitch. Yeah, well, by all means, right? No, I mean, when you see me not holding the shotgun on the porch anymore, then come back, right? Um, <laughs> it's just, cause I've heard this line used exactly like that before. Um, and uh, by, the, by, the, by the spiritual guy who's like learned one verse, you know? <laughs> Sorry, a little cynical there. All right. Um, and uh, so it, you understand the spirit of what, what, what is being taught there. And so it, let's wrap it up. It says, uh, um, it says and in verse 10, And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart uh, from her husband. So just remember that once you get in, once the Lord, that's your gift now, right? You're married. That's, that's, that's the gift that you have there. And typically people by human nature and covetousness and a lack of great gratefulness, you know, it's just the whole, again, I was using cliches tonight, but grass is greener, right? The grass is greener. So you have the one that isn't married, and what do they want? They want to be married, you know? And the one who is married now wishes they weren't. Well, look, God has a prescription for all of this, right? And all those things are going to fall into place as we love the Lord. We, we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. We want to honor Him first and foremost in our life. And then we look to, to God's Word for, the, for that which directs our path in that area. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He will Direct your path. And uh, so the world, you know, they're, they're, they're starting to see marriage is obsolete anymore. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's a neat tradition. Maybe we'll do that. Um, when God brings, you know, some godly young people together that want to serve him and, and uh, their help meets. Because, uh, look, if that's the gift, like I believe for me, Two have been better than one. My wife is a, is a helpmeet. We have worked together in the ministry. She has complimented everything I've done, and we've worked together in a way that, that I, I just believe God has used us to accomplish so much more together. Um, for others, you know, God has, has chosen for them to be able to do more in their context through being single. The point is that we want to honor the Lord. And the point is that if God can get a team going there with a man and a woman who want to honor the Lord and, 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 and God leads in that, in that way, um, that, could be, that can be a wonderful thing, something to be, to be celebrated um, because it's becoming increasingly rare nowadays. And uh, look, we always pray, right? 100% of our young people go on to serve the Lord. What's that going to look like? Well, as they follow God, He's going to show them what that looks like. And uh, we pray that they... That they Keep their eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ yeah, because His ways are always good. His ways are always good. This is more of the passage we'll, uh, Lord willing, uh, get into uh, next time we're together. I thank you for your kind attention. I hope, uh, hope it was instructive and, uh, and a blessing to you. Lord, I thank you.